And welcome to another episode of Talk on Dio. Let's talk. Uh, my guest of the evening is joining me all the way from Australia. Uh, he is the founder of uh, Mentor Men and Kinsuji Heroes. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here, we'll welcome to Ian Westmoreland. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good day, and welcome. Uh, good day from Australia. I'm in, in uh, beautiful Sydney, uh, uh, and uh, a day ahead of you guys over there in, in the US. So, yes, yes. Thank you for joining me. It's uh, it's an honor here uh, having you here as my guest. Uh, I do apologize ahead of time if I pronounced your name of your organization wrong <laughs> or your last name. I, you know, I, I apologize. Much respect. Um, so, you you. Uh, before we start recording, you, you you were telling me that you left your your high paying job to 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 assist in helping others create charities. Uh, yeah, look, I just maybe share some background first. I, I married. I've been married for forty years, and we have wow. four kids. And we had our twelfth grandchild uh, just under twelve months ago. So family is part of my life. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I'm blessed with the family. Um. Uh, early on in our marriage, we struggled financially. I would always have a full-time job and would do part-time jobs on the side trying to make more money. My wife was cleaning houses and working at restaurants. But gradually, I worked my way uh, up into better paid positions. I became a senior IT manager in the utility space. and I worked in Melbourne, Australia, over in New Zealand, and then in Sydney. And then in 2013... I increasingly started to think there's more to life than just making money and delivering software changes. And on the 10th of September, 2013, which is, I think it's the 10th of September, we, <laughs> 10 years yeah. ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got on the train to come to work and I continued to read a book that my youngest daughter had given me. And what I read that morning transformed my thinking for the next stage of my life. And in wow. May 2014, I quit my high-paid job and I became a full-time volunteer. And I started uh, mentoring young kids in high schools in Sydney. So I was doing that at multiple schools and loved it, incredibly fulfilling. And then I found out about another mentoring program for kids in primary schools. And so I started doing that as well. And then I found out about another program uh, for supporting uh, family environment, uh, another mentoring program. So I signed up for that as well. So I was actively involved in all those three mentoring programs as well as looking after grandkids. And then in 2018, I was mentoring a young guy in one of the Sydney high schools. And in our chat, he shared that his father had suicided. Wow. Um, his mum had an addiction and was in and out of rehab. He was living with his grandparents, which he said he hated. And then he just turned and he looked at me and he started crying. And he said, Ian, help me. And it had an impact on me then, but I didn't realize how big an impact it had. Uh, later, I debriefed with the program counselor uh, to let her know about the situation, I guess, looking for advice. And she surprised me. She said, Ian, are you okay? And I, I just started crying myself over that situation. Wow. And then for the next couple of months, I was flat. I'm normally fairly upbeat. And I suddenly realized that I wanted to have a mentor just like these young kids that I'd been mentoring. And I should class, uh, clarify, mentoring is such a broad term. For many people in business, they assume mentoring means someone with acquired skills, knowledge, experience, guides, directs, advises someone else. I call that business mentoring. What I'm talking about, the sort of mentoring I provided to these young kids and what I was looking for was life mentoring. Wow. It's someone who actively listens, supports, encourages. Um, we're not broken. We don't need to be fixed. We just need to be validated, loved, Very. if you like. So I, I looked around for the nearest organization that provided life mentoring to men and was surprised and incredibly disappointed to find there was nothing suitable. I couldn't. I searched the world. I couldn't find anything suitable. And as a demographic, men struggle more than most other demographics. We struggle around masculinity. We struggle with shame. Um, we we put on a facade of how things are going. So if anyone, any group needed the benefit of mentoring, it was men. So it motivated me to write a proposal. 
that led to the establishment of Mentoring Men, which is a, a free program. Um, it's where a volunteer man like me is uh, is trained for our own mentor training course. And we also train through suicide prevention. And then we carefully match them to another bloke, we call them blokes in Australia, who may be experiencing life challenges. It could be job loss, which is often a huge issue for men. It could be relationship breakdown, loneliness, isolation. It could be any of those sorts of things. Uh, and that was it. I, I launched Mentoring Men in 2018. After a slow start, it's just been thousands of men in Australia I've engaged. Um, we'd started with my wife and I putting in some seed money and I continue to work as a volunteer running the organisation with help from other people. And at 2021, we had sufficient financial support that I stepped aside from all the operational responsibility. There's now a dedicated paid team. We run this within Australia. Um, a couple of months ago, I stepped off the board uh, but I'm still an ambassador for it. So I still talk to people about the program. I'm a huge supporter. I'm still an active mentor. I mentor. Uh, the program officially operates in just Australia, but there's lots of interest overseas. And unofficially, I'm mentoring a young guy in Johannesburg in South Africa. And uh, so there's a there's a huge need for this. Now, it started it's something that I was looking for for myself, and now it, we're providing that to other people. And when I stepped aside from all the operational side of things, it freed up a little bit of time for me. And I thought back to an idea I had in 1993. And just some background, as a kid growing up, I suffered from low self-esteem and a lack of confidence, um, even into my early 20s. And early on, I'd set a goal for myself. If I could just be average, how good would that be? Yeah, And I... Later on, as I started to read more and more books, I realized how those books around overcoming adversity, the Nelson Mandela type books, mm -hmm. lifted me and gave me some confidence. So I had this idea that how good would it be to have, and back then I thought it had to be famous people, but people share their overcoming adversity stories to give hope and inspiration to others. Now, at the time, I didn't have the confidence or the time or the money, but I wrote out a proposal for this as well, uh, and I sent it off to three community leaders in Australia. And one of them, a guy called Dick Smith, who's a well-known entrepreneur, sent me back a handwritten note. He said, Ian, this is a great idea. And then he said, you do it. <laughs> and uh, so it sat there for 30 <laughs> years. <laughs> wow! And then, um, when I stepped aside from mentoring men, I thought I'm going to do this. And once I make a decision, I do everything I can on, uh, to make it happen. I just, uh, you know, ready, fire, aim. I just go. And so I let. By then, I established a fairly good network of uh, people around me through the mentoring men experience. So I, I said to these people, "This is what I'm going to do." And a, a guy contacted me and said, Ian, I've got, a, I've got a name for your project. I said, oh, that's great. What, what is it? He said, oh, Kintsugi. I said, I've never heard of it. And uh, so it's a Japanese term. And the legend is there was a Japanese emperor who had some valuable pottery. Let's say it's like my coffee cup here, but <laughs> worth a lot more. And <laughs> <Yeah>. over, <laughs> over time, it showed the signs of wear and tear, the chips and cracks and, and uh, other bits of breakage. And he said to the craftsman, I want you to fix it, make it brand new so you can't see there was ever damage. And they couldn't do it. But what they could do is do a repair using a precious metal like gold. And now when you look at it, you can see the damage there, but it's, it's, now, it's, it's now been uh, fixed. But it's far more beautiful and it's far more valuable than what it was before. And it's a metaphor for the DOs, for the ends. The lived experience that we have increases our resilience, increases our value to support the community around us by using our lived experience. So the the objective I set with Consigi Heroes initially was to provide hope and inspiration to people experiencing life challenges. But I've also realized another key objective is to help people reframe the adversity they've ever had 
to actually see the hidden value in that mm-hmm. and actually be glad they went through that experience. So over the, since 1993, the technology's changed. Um, it was going to be written, just written stories. But now we, what we do, we have a relaxed conversation like this. It's recorded. Um, um, I, I don't host the conversations. I talk too much, but there's another host we bring in. Um, and I've engaged a, an editor who creates video and audio podcasts of the right. discussion. And I've engaged an author who takes the transcript of the conversation and and uh, converts that into book stories. And our first two books are near completion. The first one we published in November. Our very first uh, conversation covered grief. One of our board members talked about the death of his wife through cancer. But we've covered oh. domestic violence. We've covered uh, a lot of addiction. It's amazing how... Um, uh, we shine the light on addiction, uh, physical disability, uh, mental illness, uh, trauma, so a- any of these types of adversity themes. And about a month after launching Katsuki Heroes, um, I got diagnosed with a form of cancer. Wow. And I kept it within my own family. And one of the board members of Katsuki Heroes challenged me and said, Ian, it's all about showing sharing our adversity so i thought about it and i actually put a post up uh on facebook and had a a great response around that and ultimately a woman reached out to us she used to work with us years ago and she had the same type of cancer but she had stage four like there's no stage stage five you're dead so she was incredibly sick and we're on this podcast together so i'm and, and there's this new um, type of treatment called immunotherapy. And this woman was a pioneer in this space. So we're on this podcast. I'm about to start this journey. She's 10 years down the track. Truly is a mountaineer. She's, she climbs mountains. And she's back climbing mountains again. So when I talk about giving hope and inspiration, to have someone there who's far sicker than what I was gone through this treatment as now doing this stuff it just gives you this lift this confidence and for many serious illnesses the mental attitude is is so important Um, so we're going to do a series around living with cancer Um, all right Uh, I'm going to pause there because I've just realized I've just spoken for a a long time but that that gets you up to where I am today so I'm uh, Kintsugi Heroes is my passion, my purpose. Uh, I I uh, I run the organisation, uh, but my goal is to make it like mentoring men. Ultimately, we get sufficient support. I can step aside, be an ambassador, and then have a team of experts like you <laughs> run the program. <laughs> well, <clears throat> first of all, uh, thank you for your contribution um, and everything you've done to help men in general. I think, you know, you you are a pillar, not a pillar of foundation of hope for the men that are to come for tomorrow. Thank you so much. Also, thank you for sharing on your, on your, your stage of health. Uh, I hope everything goes well for you. Uh, you know, my support goes out to you. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to do my best to, to compose myself because it's a, it's an emotional, emotional roller coaster, because I I empathize with you in so many ways. Not you know not cancer wise, but I understand. You know I understand, uh, what you might be going through. You know from the point of working these jobs, I'm I've been in the same boat and where. At one point, I'm making sixty five thousand a year. You know, to walking away because, you know, life becomes life's life become that difficult, you know, from, you know, maintaining a family, being a provider, but also being a parent to special needs, uh, but also supporting other family members within my family, you know, with, you know, issues, concerns they may have, you know, it, it, it becomes overwhelming, you know, and, and depression kicks in. You know, like, 
right now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a war winning podcast host. Right. And yet it means nothing, you know, awards only worth what we give it meaning. If we take the meaning, there's just objects that stay there, you know, but helping supporting, you know, being a pillar of hope for, for individuals to achieve their dream, achieve their goal, inspire others. Right. And, you know, I don't, I, you know, me right now in my state just turned 34, you know, I use, I, I would easily just put an application and get a job. Now is different. Now everything is required. Um, bachelor's degree, things that, that they do not have nearly the experience I have. When you when you set yourself up to, to embrace this calling, this change, this mindset, this moment that you were inspired, was that a factor for you to, you know, start being a volunteer? Yeah. Look, people ask me what I read that day that transformed my thinking. And what I share with and, and my response generally is first off, I say that both the programs, everything I do is secular in nation in, in nature. I don't care what background or beliefs or cultures or disabilities or genders. None of those things come into my my thinking. Um, for me, I'm a Christian, and what I read that day was around, I guess, the purpose of of life. And I I want to expand on that in, in a second. And the author, the the book was called Sun Stand Still. The author was Steve Furtick, an American pastor. And he basically questioned the role of, of what Christians should do. And he started, he had this list of things that we feel like we're doing the right thing. And as he went through these, in fact, I've got the book here, Sun Stand Still. And this is what I read. We feel like we're doing our part as long as we live decent lives. Sort of tick. I got up into a bit of trouble when I was a teenager. Um, st- stay out of trouble. Tick, pay taxes, tick, have babies, tick, make a living, tick, buy a boat, tick, hit age 59 and a half, collect retirement, die. Now, the words resonated. And then I thought back, I was born on the 10th of March, 1954. I read this on the 10th of September, 2013. I was 59 and a half to the day that I read this 10 years ago today in, in, in the U.S., and that was the first of a series of things that happened that indicated to me, I guess, my purpose and my evolving purpose for my life. And I know we've just met, but what came across, you're a really good, what we call an Aussie, a really good bloke. I, I see the heart that you have for your family, for your community. That just came across. And I want to share something that's the revelation I had in, in September last year. So my wife and I are keen bike riders and we were over in the Greek islands on like a pirate ship riding around from Greek island to Greek island with bikes. And there were the people from America as like a tour thing. And at each island, they would unload the bikes, it's about 20 of us, and we would get up and we would ride around that island behind a tour guide. And at one point, this tour guide, we land on an island, takes us up this hill, and he stops us and he points to an island on the horizon. And he started telling the story of Aristotle Onassis. Now, Greece is, is financially uh, struggling. And he was telling the story as a success story. And he told the story, Onassis was born into poverty. Initially, he made his money in the black market selling tobacco. And then he invented packaged cigarettes. And he made an absolute fortune. And then he merged into shipping, which was really big back then. Um, and then he, uh, uh, most Americans know he, he then married JFK, widow. She became Jackie Onassis. So, uh, and, and then he finished off by saying that Onassis was reported to have said, they say money can buy love. I want to tell you it's not true. I'm the richest man in the world, and I've never found true love. Hmm. And I couldn't help myself. I put my hand up. I said, I want to query your definition of success. You say, you've got a man who's invented a product that's killed millions of people and caused untold damage to millions more. He had numerous affairs while he's married to Jackie Onassis. And he's saying he never found true love. And I would argue that 
someone who, not wealthy at all who has strong, loving connections is far more successful than uh, Anassas was. And when we flew back to Australia, I woke up jet lagged. And I think in terms of pictures, and I came up with this idea of the best life. And the picture I drew, the, I, on the right-hand side, I, I had my definition of the best life, which is where we use our skills and experiences to positively impact the world around us. It's where we get genuine contentment and fulfillment. On the other side, I, I had the baby being born and the life journey that meanders around. And above it was a word map of things that impact us in our life. We get sick. We have relationships break down. We get abused. A number of other negative aspects. And one of the biggest ones is this drive for materialism. The bigger house, the bigger car, the, the more money and all that sort of stuff. And for most people, we lose consideration of what our best life is. And I say, look, I just did this for my own purpose. But if I could get you just for 10 seconds to take a step back from where your life is at the moment and think about what would your best life look like and are you heading towards that? And I put the Mark Twain quote at the bottom. The two most important days in your life are the day you're born and then the day you work out why. So what I got, Dara, from what you shared before You've, and I, I could be wrong here, but you've made a decision in some instances to move away from greater material possessions, to focus on your own family, to support other people and to do what you feel called to do. And obviously we, we need income. We've got to get, you know, it's the um, uh, Maslow's hierarchy. We need food, yeah. we need shelter, all these sorts of things. But um, the last... Uh, Nine plus years of my life have been easily the most fulfilling, uh, the most educational um, of, of my life. And um, yeah, so I don't know if that resonated with you, but I, when you when you spoke about what the, some of the things you've done, it just it touched me. No, I uh, I too I agree with you that I've done. I'm going on three years with this, and I've learned. I've taken enormous uh, sources of knowledge. I've been able to enjoy more moments with my family, despite of the difficulties. You know, I, you know, I've met hell of a people throughout the world, you know, and it's fulfilling. It's, it's, I wouldn't, you know, I continue to do it because of that, you know, but you, like you said, you know, it's always the, uh, the life necessities, you know, like, because, you know, income, it's like air, you need it, yeah. you know, and I think that's the most difficult part of it. And, you know, it's, I'm at a point in my life that I just, you know, what's more important, you know, doing what I love or, or making sure my family is stable. And that's, yeah. and that's, uh, that's a hard pill to swallow because, you know, I, I grew up in Puerto Rico. I grew up on my own, no mom, no dad, or my grandparents, and they're already old, wow. right? I rough streets. Um, if you get to know me, I'm a, I, I, I'm a, I've been told often I'm a, a, a rough diamond, a rough around the edges, right? And I just wanted to be somebody. I just wanted to be somebody. And in that somebody, all I knew was I didn't want to be a bad person because Growing up, that's what I was often made feel. There was no hope. There was no uh, sense of you can do it. You know, there was just, you're different. Now, you decide on what different you want to be. But then I became a dad. And that's all. And that's, and that's all I want to be. But then, you know, this difficult journey with his autism and nobody helping us, especially my wife, who's uh, despite of, you know, shortcomings, you know, she's the backbone of everything. How do I make something out of nothing? How do I be happy? How do I be happy working for myself, doing something what I love? And it took me into my early 30s to finally figure out what makes me happy. Because usually, you know, they'll teach you, 
you know, high school, go to college, get education. But I didn't want that. I was not raised in that shit. I'm lucky to be, I'm lucky to be 34 and alive. Time, it's everything. Time is essential. And I'm just trying to do the best to, um, how do I say it? Figure it out without wasting time because there's time in where I cannot get back. Um, I'm, I think you've done about 70 of these. If you, I'm not sure how many. I think this will be 33, maybe 34. Okay. So what? 133 to be correct. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So my own experience with these stories hearing someone else it's just how much i've learned and how much i've grown through the process and the a lot of my attitudes have been challenged and i feel i'm a much i've become a better person through the process i find it a lot easier to be less judgmental and more empathetic as i've learned mm-hmm. and i'm hoping for you that the same experience Yes. Will apply when you hear, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I've become far more. I've become more emotional around things. I've become. I've seen the power in vulnerability. In our discussion here, we've both been vulnerable around what we're really feeling, and I. It's it's a, it's a huge issue in society, particularly for men. That, um, you know, we'll break an arm, we'll go to the doctors, but we're struggling personally uh, you know extended periods of depression or anxiety or whatever and we won't reach out to seek help and i think what we're doing here maybe can be an encouragement for for other people hearing or watching this to seek support Um, one of the advantages of mentoring men was that and this this is the screwed up way often men think if I go and see a mental health professional, it's all, it's confirmation there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. But the, I'll go and talk to Ian. Ian's not qualified in anything. He doesn't judge me. We just go for a, for a walk or a chat. Hey, can I share something with you? I I was mentoring uh, about three months ago. Um, I had a call from the youth mentoring program that I was involved in. And they said that a, a young guy I mentored in 2015 so eight years ago, had contacted them and he wanted to get my contact. He, he wanted my contact details and they were, con- they were letting me know, is that okay? I said, absolutely. And I met up with this guy for coffee and he wanted to tell me the impact the mentoring had. Now, I didn't see this. I just turned up, we'd have a chat, we'd go for yeah. a walk. But he shared with me what was going on in his family life and and this one stable uh, person at that time in his life was it, it just transformed his thinking. Like he, 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 his the view around him was going to jail, and now he's um, he's become a we call him a tradie, a tradesman over here. He's a carpenter. He's doing incredibly well in business. And I, the, the pride I felt that I played a part in this, but the pride. Of this young guy, what a! In fact, he went on. He did a promotional video for the mentoring organisation, which brings me to tears when I've seen it, and 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 many other people. Um, so it just we need to create a community where we listen, where we where we share stories, we listen to other people's stories. We give people the time. We, we, we encourage people to not just talk about the football or cars or whatever, yeah. but to actually have real conversations. Real conversations. Yes. And there's a there's an amazing poem that we um, we include in our mentor training course. It was written in 1979 by an American. Uh, his name was Ray Horton. And the poem is called Just Listen. And I would encourage everyone listening to this to go and read, just listen. And if we had a community, a society where people did that more, then, um, yeah, things would, there'd be huge Im- improvement. 
we go back towards the village that I grew up with. And unfortunately, we've moved away with different things like social media, materialism, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think when it comes to us having those conversations, I think I agree with you. And we're like, they have them. They said what they say, but then they move on. Not understanding what support that it goes, you know, it, it comes full circle. You support somebody for they can support you and you create unity and community. You know, I want to say my experience being here in the States, the sense of community, it's not there within men. You know, they will rather, yeah, they'll say what they say their piece, maybe get something out there. Then, you know, quickly diverse themselves into values that are not in with them. And then the conversation ends. And then they'll keep going downhill, 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 and just vanish. And I think we need more than that. We need, it's not just you say what you feel, but also listen. Be there for one another. You know, it's it's not regarding. I think we all go, we're all going through it. I think as a man, one is what I've seen is we sometimes just don't have the words. One of the things I'd encourage is that I've so I'm a a father, um, a grandfather, a husband, a brother, a, a friend, or whatever. So there's different hats that I wear, mm. and I'm also some a, a mentor, and in discussions with people. All of a sudden, it's like, take all those other hats off. I need to focus and listen. And like that discussion where you shared some of the stuff. And like a, a question I'll sometimes ask, you know, Dio, how are you going out of 10? You might say, nine, brilliant, fantastic. What's going so well for you? Or you say, might say three. I'm sorry to hear that. Can you? Why Why did you say three? So I mean, we have a, a thing in Australia called Are You Okay Day? And it gets a lot of publicity, but it's a very limiting thing. Are you okay? Oh, yes or no. And most people won't give it, won't necessarily give an accurate answer. And yeah. the person asking, if it just becomes a habit, they probably don't care that much about what the response is. But if I was to say, how are you going out of 10? And you say three, then it opens up a much deeper conversation. And it, it, it shows that I care about your response and then and then you're sharing that. And one of the things I've seen as well, when it gets hard, a lot of men don't like people to see the emotion in their eyes, the crying. I was like that. And I used to think this mentoring was sitting opposite each other, but often just walking side by side in the in the, in nature in the bush or whatever. And then the conversations can start to happen. And it's incredibly therapeutic when you can start to talk about what you're really feeling, what's on your mind, and know that you're not being judged, know that it's confidential, then you start to feel it's, it's, it's healing. You don't need – the other person doesn't uh, – one of the things we, we do on the mentor training course, we have to detrain men. You tell them – most men about a, a problem, they'll try and fix it. They'll come up with the solution. Yeah. But often people don't want the solution. They just want you to hear them out, yes. right? Yes. Yes. So just the fact that that's it. You don't need to. You, you don't need to be a, an expert. You, you and I are both sounds like we're both unqualified. We don't have any formal education, right? right. Both the same. Um, I guess I was fortunate in a time. It, it didn't matter that much. My team were all had qualifications, but to me, it comes uh, yeah back to being, I guess, to, just that hungry to to grow and to you know to, to pick up skills. I, I'm an observer. I see things and I learn. From, I, I learn a lot. I don't need the qualifications to learn. What uh, what is the best form to reach you if if you know in your area when if, if men a man is feeling just not having a good day. How, how does that go? Do they pick up a phone? Do you have a number? So the 
like mentoring men officially only operates in Australia, uh, but there may be people overseas who want to implement a similar model over there. And I, I get a lot of requests around that. And I'd be happy to talk to people about that. So to look at what mentoring men does, please go to the website, which is mentoringmen.org.au. Now, to in my role in Kintsugi Heroes, the Kintsugi Heroes website is kintsugiheroes.com.au. I'll spell that out because it's a bit tricky. I just, I've never heard of it. It's K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.au. And they could people could email me at ian, I-A-N, at kintsugiheroes.com.au. So if people want to just have a chat to me or they they want to share a story yeah. or that there's a theme that they think is important um, or they want to get involved in some way. So um, we share our stories, as I said, through podcasts. We also share them through uh, throughout Australia, through radio broadcasts. Uh, wow. There's an organisation, a charity, who support vision-impaired people and they play our podcasts throughout there and uh, it's actually on American uh, interviewed on uh, American TV on Sunday um, I don't know how, how big that is but that, it's, the show is broadcast to 100 countries wow. so I'll share my dream and we talked about it before today my, 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 my dream is a legacy but imagine a world where on a regular basis say every week in a community centre, in a library, in a town hall, in a house, in a facilitated environment, a group of people get together and share stories. Mm. People speak and know they're going to be heard, and then they hear other people's stories. And in that sort of world, we would see far less of the, the mental health issues, the loneliness, the isolation issues that we see today. It'd be a learning experience. So my goal is that Someone going through a, a, some adversity will be able to readily find a story, a hero. We, we call them the people who share their stories, heroes. A hero where they relate to and a story that touches them, a story that relates to them. And they get that hope and inspiration if, you know, to, to, yeah. to, to lift themselves out of the situation they're in. That's my dream. I love that dream. You uh you mentioned you 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 were a father for four children, right? For what have they ever given you any feedback or, or talked to you about everything you have been able to accomplish in helping men? <laughs> How how's that conversation like? What? Well, yeah, I always give a straight answer, you know. And uh, one of the challenges has been, I do what I do as a volunteer seven days a week. There's sacrifices. Anyone who sets up a business mm. or pursues a passion, there's sacrifices. Mm. Now I love my kids and and but one of my more outspoken daughters said to me at one stage, <laughs> she said, Dad, you care more about these men than you care about your own family. Okay. So um I said before, my life has never been more fulfilling and purposeful. But there's still Challenges. There's challenges in every family. And to me, I see some of these sacrifices as being short-term um, for, for the bigger picture in the long term. Yes, yes. Um, but my kids have heard my story, probably more than they want to hear it. Um, and, I, I, yeah, it'd be interesting when I'm gone, it'd be interesting to see what yeah, they say. You, know, you read you 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 read my mind. Is it? It's only until you're no longer present that you know family, people, friends, individuals can only appre appreciate what you have done and what have you able to build. You know, like you know my my family. They they see me releasing episode episode different uh in with different guests and whatnot. But, you know, they yet to see the bigger picture. They yet to see that what I'm con contributing to this world, what I'm trying to do, 
and and we can't you know unfortunately we can't you know pick a date and where we choose like we feel this is the day you're gonna validate me it doesn't work that way yeah i i have a much uh more uh, different relationship with my grandkids my grandkids just adore me and i adore them i become a <laughs> five-year-old when i'm playing with them and I'm, if anyone checks out uh, my Facebook site, they'll, they'll see. Uh, I, I just, I like the, the love I have for these grandkids. But coming back to what you're saying, the challenges that we have, and to me, it's really important to have a, a strong why. When the challenges hit, you know, when there's a kid's birthday party that, that I can't go to, or other things happen, uh, you've got to. You keep, why am I doing this? Why? And if we don't have a good answer to the why, then we'll just stop. And I, I shared my dream about what I'm doing. And um, Mentoring men has saved lives. Men have had suicide ideation. And as a result of mentoring men, it's saved them. It's transformed lives. Kintsugi Heroes, I believe, is doing the same things. So it's it's incredible, like you. I, I feel it's incredibly important what I'm doing, and my I said my goal, if we get, if or when we get sufficient support from corporates or philanthropists or the general community who want to engage in this, then I'll step aside, still share story. I love doing this, and that will then free up more time to get the, for me, the best of both worlds. What I love doing, spending time with family, but what I love doing. Is giving back, yeah, yeah, giving back to the world. Yeah, it's it's um, I don't know. I, it's weird because once I I've had my son was born, I realized that like it's not about you no more. It's it, it's you know, it's about how you present yourself to the world. Because just like you know, my son who's always uh, looking at me, you know, that's the same thing the world's looking at you as well. So it's all about how you present yourself. And, you know, I, I do, cause I, you know, I'm not perfect <laughs> on a good day. I always try to uh, live by that, you know, try to be a better version of myself as I walk through, you know, life. So that hopefully the person watching can, you know, be inspired and do the same for itself. We all stuff up. I still stuff up. I'm not yeah. <laughs> far from perfect. Uh, but I try, I try, and uh, yeah, um, my the self esteem issues I had as a kid, uh, I'm now happy with the way I am. Um, I'm I'm I don't need to be, I don't need to be an Indiana Jones or a James no. Bond or a Clint Eastwood. No. I'm a guy who sometimes cries at romantic movies. I'm a guy who lets my grandkids paint my toenails. <laughs> um, I'm a guy who, um, yeah, just uh, just loves um, showing the feelings and expressing the feelings that I have. Um, much happier to be this type of guy, yeah, than the the guy who was totally confused earlier on. Are you, you know, you know, counting today, looking back at everything? You're able to accomplish people. You're able to help. Would you say you lived a good life? Yeah. There's um there's a suggestion that we should write our own ep- epitaph. We write a eulogy. We write our own <laughs> eulogy. What? <laughs> um, there's a story. I, I think it's true. You know, the, have you heard of the Nobel Peace Prize? Mm-hmm. So there were two brothers, Nobel brothers, and um. One of them invented uh, dynamite or TNT. That, that's a fact. He, he, he'd done this. And, and the other brother died, but the papers got confused. They thought the guy who'd invented this explosive stuff had died. And he read his eulogy. And the eulogy talked about how he created these weapons that killed a whole bunch of people. That was what he was going to be famous for. And as a result of that, he stopped and, and he created the Nobel Peace Prize. And there's, uh, it'd be interesting to actually <laughs> to read your eulogy now and, and then if you weren't happy with it, to try and maybe change the behaviour or, or whatever. And, uh, yeah, 
I would love to be seen as someone who loved his family and who did his best to try and improve the world around him. Wow, that would be absolutely brilliant. I might write that out and give it to my kids to, uh, <laughs> to read. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, only, only when I think about those things now, later, throughout the years, now that my son's a little bit older, like I just, I told my wife, I just, I want to, I want to live a life being a good dad in hopes that the day I, I leave, uh, I clock out, like I say, uh, my tombstone says I was a great dad. And that's it. Someone made a comment to me. So with all the stories we're sharing, there's a whole bunch of adversity. Mm -hmm. And what's become clear, the biggest factor that can help prevent adversity is the caring, the nurturing as a child. Yeah. Biggest single factor. So many stories, there's no father. There's been abuse. There's been a whole bunch of stuff. And I would say what you're doing, the way you describe how you love and support your son, is is absolutely brilliant and uh if we had more people doing that there'd be a lot less issues there was there was a quote i saw that said that most issues and it was an american quote faced in america relate back to domestic violence but i now see it goes back prior to that it goes back to the lack of nurturing of of uh, uh, of, of young young kids young babies yeah and yeah and i geez, that would be a great thing as well if we can encourage people to focus on 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 that and uh, just giving the the right love and support, unconditional love and support. Yeah. So yeah. well done, well done, Dio. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's a you know I I had I have a grandson right, so my uh, I have a grandson right. I, I uh, he's not my bi biological grandson. He's a, a child that I love and admire because i've been raising him since he was six months right and wow you know i had a conversation and where he you know he he's he's eight turning nine and he feels wow. that uh you know the world the world owes him everything right and you know only through you know obviously i was young and to experience i felt the same thing the world owed me everything you know, and and in some ways or form, sometimes you become very arrogant and whatnot. And had you know, I told, and I had to sit him down one day. It was like, try to explain the world doesn't owe you anything. The only two people that owe you is your mom and your dad, because those are the two that um, brought you into this world. And be you know, be my you know, mindful and kindness that. Anyone who, who who shows you love and gives you love and nurtures you and, and give you otherwise, those people love you unconditionally. And you got to learn how to identify that, learn how to respect that, and learn how to appreciate that. You know, I know a lot of young uh, teens that do not know how to identify that. So when somebody's trying to be genuine, you know, they because they're hurt, because not they haven't been nurtured, they tend to push them away. And by pushing them away, he's hurting himself, but also hurting that person trying to give him love and just creates a whole negative perspective on on, uh, on the team. Yeah, I think a lot of these things are intergenerational, though. When you start seeing that behavior, yeah. it's it, there's there's been issues in the past. One of the great lessons I learned, so this journey for mentoring men took me down the addiction path. Now, I would say I've never yeah. taken an illicit substance in my life, but I went out and I started talking with people who you know ice addicts and, and that to get an understanding. And I was chatting to one of our mentors once who used to take drugs, and he said to me, Ian, if you want to reduce illicit drug usage, stop sexual abuse. Mm. Now, it took me four or five seconds to understand what he was saying. The old Ian and society in general tends to judge people who have addictions. And it's not just stuff. It could be gambling. It could be it could be work. It could be food. But they judge people. That's their choice. I still have these arguments with my kids. But when that guy said that to me, it then totally shifted my focus to what event, <clears throat> excuse me, has happened to you 
that you're using substances to numb the pain from that. So it went from a judgmental attitude to an empathetic attitude. And it's, it goes from, well, that they're doing this to themselves, you know, to how can I help? And once you have that understanding, mm-hmm. and so when you talked before about people are having displaying behavior issues, mm-hmm. the world owes me or whatever, I get that. It, 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 it's, it's the wrong attitude. But having the thought process is, why are they like this? What's happened in their past mm-hmm. to help make, to me, it makes it a lot easier to be supportive, to be, to be of use to that situation. Um, yeah. So to me, that's been a, it's been a great lesson. And, um, you know, no one sets out thinking, oh, I'm going to stuff up my life and, and be, become addicted to a substance. So, yeah. You know, it, it's, you know, it's, there's, there's something behind that. We need, yeah, we need to get to the, to the root cause. And often right. that root cause yeah. goes back to the very thing I said, the, the lack of appropriate nurturing they got when they were young. Yeah. Is there, is there one thing when you work, when you have worked with, with addicts, is there one thing in particular that it's ver- that it may be common that why they fall in addiction? Um, first, I'm not a, a, an expert in any shape or form around addiction. I'm connected with experts. Um, what I've seen, is sexual abuse is often a thing within that. I think it's probably underreported. Um, the lack of appropriate uh, coming back to the carer thing we talked about but I, I mentored tens of young kids in uh, schools in Australia and virtually every one of those kids came from a broken family mm. there was no male role model when you think about it when there's a separation in, in Australia most times the kids go with the mum and most of the we call them mentees in the program there were more boys than girls. And I believe that's because there's no male role model. The father plays such an important part. It's the, the role of the yes. father and the grandfather is totally undervalued, I believe. It, it's, um, I, I've got three daughters. I would take them out on a, for dinner, just them and me, to show how a man mm-hmm. should, tr- should treat um, a, a woman. And... Um, I'm not the world's best dad, far from it. But um, I feel that's that sort of thing is 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 really important. Being a good male role model. My kids have never seen me drunk. They've never seen me abusive. I've never, and it's it, it's it's modelling the sort of behaviour that we want them to have. A lot of the I've got a strong focus on domestic violence at the moment. Mm. Um, I'd love to do a series around that. In fact working on why I, I, I'm thinking we can help prevent a lot of domestic violence. But a lot of this is intergenerational. Mm-hmm. Kids are just doing what they saw their parents happen in their parents' environment. So how do you change that? So so it keeps coming back to the same root causes. It, it's it, it's the nurturing. It's, it's the, 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 the role models. Yeah, yeah. It's a negative cycle that tends to repeat itself. Yeah, and we, we need to stop the cycle. Um, but it's hard. But I, I've said I've got some ideas around that space. Um, yeah, it, it, domestic violence is absolutely a huge issue in Australia. Um, there's, I spoke to the government um, a couple of weeks ago, and they said that sixty to seventy percent of wow. the police activity and time is spent on domestic violence-related matters. Sixty to seventy percent. That's huge. Uh, it's huge in terms of uh, um, the, the the personal costs, the tragedy, the murders, the suicides, the 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 ongoing impact on, on kids. But it, it but the economic side of things as well is 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 huge, right. and we need to do something different. And yeah, so I'd I'd love to play a small part in doing. It. Yeah, no, I I agree. I agree one hundred percent. You know, there's there's so much that needs to be changed. You know, but also there's so much of those that have to accept change as well. I'm not I'm not sure I'm making sense. Like it's what what is the uh what's this 
Einstein said that the definition of, of insanity is doing the same thing all over again with the same outcome. Expecting a different result. Exactly. So you can you, you, you can have the support, you can have the the assistance, you can have everyone you need to make the change, but if if it's not within you to accept it, to want it, then nothing, you know, it's nothing can be done. It's like one uh uh what what is it called like in being an alcoholic the the stages acceptance right? or, or or when you're grieving you know all those have in common is that you have to accept it we need to disrupt the thinking if let's take an example for domestic violence if domestic violence continues down a certain path then there's a high likelihood losing the relationship separation from kids uh a huge financial impact um, and a number of other negative consequences around that. So how do you get someone to actually, I get what you're saying, how do you get them to want to change? And somehow that message needs to be got through to them in a powerful way that they connect with. And so there's, I, I believe there's ways that we can, we can do that with people that they get challenged by, by someone that, that they connect with Um but unless people want to change, and and yeah. clearly some people aren't, but let's let's do what we can around that, and and it needs to be challenged. Like in some, like I said it's it's been normalised the sort of behaviour that goes on. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And and it's it's unacceptable, and we need to denormalise that and get the yeah. get the message across. I agree one hundred percent. You know, I I. I understand that we all make mistakes, but it's, are you, do you, do you learn the lesson that came with the mistake? And if you're not able to, to identify or, you know, comprehend the, the, the current pattern of the issue that continues to occur, then you're obviously not in tune on, on what's occurring. And I think, you know, Having a conversation without comprehension is a waste of time. You know, in yeah. some way or form, in order to accountability. Yeah. You know, I I I was in I was in uh when I was in college, I took a semester of speech, and I had to do a a story, and my story was uh um is called the reminder. You know, I grew up in a bar. Uh, I met a lot of drug addicts, a lot of alcoholics, a lot of people that did things and they were not happy with themselves. So I've in in, in my upbringing, I've, I've been able to meet individuals who've gotten sober. And, you know, the question always emerged with somebody's being sober is, what is it like being sober? The answer that came across that everybody had a uh, connection with is, being sober was uh, constantly reminded of what every mess of thing you did. So therefore, sobriety is giving you the obligation of being self-accountable, what you did, you know, and now to push forward that you can do better. So I mentioned we've captured a number of addiction stories and uh, they're amazing. And the story that came to mind when you talked about that there's a guy who was a corporate high flyer. Like he ran a, uh, he had a key role in a global company and um, huge salary, traveled around the world, uh, was a party person, and then alcohol addiction got hold of him. Um, he came to Australia where I met him. Um, he started running uh, Alcoholics Anonymous group, AA group. Sorry, he got, he got sober. And then he put him for a job. <clears throat> In Australia, put him for a job in Australia to uh, to be the CEO of this organisation that helped people with addictions, and he got the job. And the salary is a fraction of what he was on as the corporate high flyer. But he said, "Ian, this is my dream job. I love doing what I'm doing." He's found his purpose, uh, so helping other people. So, I guess the lived experience that he had was really bad but he sees the asset that it had and it's empowered him to be able to make a huge difference so he would look back on that that life 
and appreciate it because it's enabled him to do what he's doing now. Amazing story. Yeah, Aaron Beatus is his name if people want to check out the podcast. Amazing. Amazing. Ian, it's been such an honor speaking with you, my friend. It's great chatting to you and uh, I love what you're doing. So keep it going. And uh, yeah, you'll, yeah, you'll find your, you'll find your dream. All right. Okay. Thanks, Dio. Thank you. Uh, before we go, please tell uh, where they can find you at. Uh, yeah. So it's the best way to contact me is uh, Ian at kudmsugiheroes.com.au. That's K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.au. Boom. There you have it, guys. Make sure you go support him as you go follow him, uh, hear his story, hear others' amazing story. Uh, make sure to go to uh, YouTube, type in Deal Talk TV, like and subscribe my YouTube channel. Go follow me on Instagram, Mr. Dreams by Octane. I'm on threads. Uh, have a good night, guys. I'm out. Thank <laughs> you.